Anyway, she goes to bed. I open up a box of apartments. I light up. I call myself a cognac. And I watch the 14 fists of McCluskey. What a picture. Yo, homie, is that my briefcase? Couldn't start asking the right fucking questions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Rum and Rant on One Heat Minute Productions Patreon. I am your host, Blake Howard. Uh, there are so many friends of this show um, that exist on, on the internet. And uh, really, I have to say, it was kind of my great co-host of my nice, Katie Walsh, who first started putting me onto this great guest stuff. Um, she says he's a, a Twitter a film Twitter darling, which I think is very appropriate. Um, but he's truly a genre film champion. You can, if you have already subscribed to Fangoria, you can read some of his great stuff and I do. And it's so awesome to read him in print, but he's just out there really having the takes that interest me. And one of them in particular is underdone that I was like, we have to talk about this on a podcast together. This is the kind of guy who out there will just say, hey, everyone, remember how unfathomably hot Arnold Schwarzenegger is at the beginning of Predator wearing a red polo shirt? And then I say, yes, that is a person that I want to talk to. That is a subject that needs to be covered. Brandon Strasnig, welcome back to another One Eight Minute Productions podcast. But Really, I'm like we are we are landing firmly in your wheelhouse now of uh, of just genre film and and the right kind of take about a certain genre film. How are you, my friend? I'm great. Uh, I'm really excited to be back, and uh, I'm I'm excited that you asked me to be on specifically for this. <laughs> um, I. Uh, well, oh, let's get started. Yeah. Let, well, let's get started. You are a genre film aficionado and a really action cinema. Uh, you know, you're a curator. I think if anyone wanted wanted a great follow, and we'll obviously do all the links and stuff like that. But there is, there's always been this kind of snooty, um, uh, you know, like high art sometimes in film communities, like dismissal of action cinema. And I think what's really good about like the contemporary film Twitter setting and a lot of the people that we surround ourselves with online is that action cinema especially like the silence and the beautiful loaded silence of action cinema and just pure movement and innovation. Like we've got lots of people in and around our community that like celebrate it. And I truly for no one who, no one who knows me would be able to like, would, would ever say anything different, but I truly think that predator from 87, John McTiernan's film is like one of the greatest action movies of all time. And there are so many movies that are reaching for it, like, like reaching and reaching to be this movie because of its attitude, because of its intent, because of its look, because of its feel, because of its kinetic energy, because of its pace. And it is just an endlessly rewatchable, phenomenal movie. I love it to pieces. Like one of my buddies and I, we would go out like, go out drinking together and like stumble back to his house. And it wouldn't matter what time of the day or night it was predator would go on like, and we just continue drinking, high-fiving, quoting the lines. Like it was one of my great things in the first, you know, big COVID lockdown to come out of lockdown to go and see predator in 4k at, a, at one of our big repertory theaters here in Sydney, which it looked absolutely spellbinding by the way. 
And just an excuse to go back and check it out, knowing that I was going to talk to you, uh, it was just the perfect excuse. So where's Predator for you? Like um, uh, when I started seeing you tweet about it, it was one that we hadn't spoken about yet. So I was so excited. I was like, oh, great. Like Brandon loves this. And I wanted an excuse to talk about Predator for ages. So, uh, you know, tell me about your your love for Predator. Well, I, I've always loved it. Um, it's always been one of those movies that's like in my head is like, oh yeah, that's just a great movie. But I think probably over the last year or so, I I want to say it was at the beginning of 2021, um, mm. my my ex-girlfriend and I watched the entire Alien franchise and I was like, okay, we got to do Predator next. And just watching that first one, I just like couldn't believe, like, again, it's one of those movies that's just like, you know it's great it's just ingrained in your head that it's great but re-watching it last year i was like wow this is like maybe the greatest action movie ever made <laughs> yeah. and and then i kept watching it and kept coming away with that opinion and just as a total side note i feel like i had that opinion validated by um i have a friend i don't know if you know him but he he used to do a podcast called uh adkins undisputed where he would go through each of scott adkins movies I, I, i've, I've to- heard of those guys yeah he would talk to scott every episode about the movie that he was talking about and i forget i don't remember what episode it was what movie they were even talking about the predator came up and scott adkins was like yeah that's the greatest action movie of all time and i was like okay i feel even more validated now that a guy who does this for a living recognizes that but um yeah uh it, it's just it's so strange because it feels like when you're watching it, you're like, this is a perfect men on a mission movie. Like that we got a million of them in the eighties and, and everything. Yes. But these guys are so overpowered that their missions over almost immediately. And I think it's brilliant that because of that, the, the shift, the movie takes into a full on slasher movie yeah. <laughs> is just so brilliant because the, the first like maybe half hour is spent watching these guys complete their mission and, and, if you don't know what's coming next, you're like, where is this movie going? Like, how are these guys? They, they, they just wiped out this entire, you know, place. It's over. And then introducing like a a horror element into it is just, I, I can't think of too many movies prior to that that took a whole genre shift like that halfway through the movie. And, you know, there's movies since then, like From Dusk Till Dawn that do stuff like that. But I, I just think it's such a brilliant way to go with that kind of movie. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, people forget the opening scene. So many people I've talked about, it's like the shock of the Predator. It's like that opening scene where you see the ship, just even for the briefest of seconds, yeah. and then you, you you barrel straight into the the guys on a mission. It just does such an, like, that's like a little appetit. You don't know really what you've seen. You're like, what the hell, what's going on? And then it bang, you straight into the movie. So it does this great thing of giving you this little, like, um, kind of men in black, you know, little light to give you amnesia that that's even what you saw at the beginning of the movie. And you go in and I love what you said is like, you firstly go in, you realize that this mission is hairy as hell. It's crazy. And then you just see these guys be utterly perfect. And like the scariest men on a mission, men on a mission ever. This time I was watching, I remember Quentin Tarantino talking about, glorious bastards and saying what well, like you know if my if, if the bastards were in world war ii they would have killed hitler you know like he's sort of like imagination saying like if they if they really existed that's why i can validate that i made that choice in the movie and i feel like if you added this if you added dutch and his team to like any war it's like it's over 
Like they're just, gonna <laughs> just like they go in, they stalk them down. Each of the guys has an immense talent is, you know, is completely like dominant. They go in and like, there's hundreds of guys and they go to that, that, that first encampment and they rip it to shreds. They destroy everyone. They barely come out with a scratch and you're like, oh, there's nothing of this world that could stop them. And that's exactly why this movie is perfect. Like the beats to, and then even when there is something that might be supernatural, I also love that it's kind of only Dylan um, being Carl Weathers' character that is in a state of disbelief. Like all of these guys have seen so much real shit. But they're also like, I don't know, like metaphysically open to the possibility that there's something out there that they don't understand. I, I just, and there's a spirituality in the group and I, I can't get over that, the layering. And I think it's just like, it's just truly the actors. Like the actors are just unbelievable. Like the, the, the choice of all the people who are playing all the roles, you know, are just phenomenal, completely phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. And just to go back really quick to the first, one of the first things you said is I do have that light bulb moment every time I watch this. I've seen this movie so many, like countless times. I it's one of my think. most watched movies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah, and in, in that the opening moment is just every single time I'm like, oh yeah, you see the spaceship. It just happens in my brain every single time that I like remember that that you do see the spaceship in the beginning i always forget that because it does such a great job of making you forget that that that, that even happened but um yeah uh the um the, i noticed what you said about dylan yesterday a lot more than usual about how he's kind of been out of this game for a little bit and these guys have been in the shit for so long that like you said anything kind of just washes over them they're just open to anything being out there in the jungle ready to kill them and it is funny watching dylan who kind of lured them into this mission under false pretenses being the one that's like oh what have i done like what what is this um but uh i um was i posted that clip yesterday um of arnold's intro and everyone getting off the helicopter and someone brought up a good point uh I was trying to find it here where they said, he said, I, I always wondered if the actors chose their, what they were wearing when they get off the helicopter or about, if that was McTiernan. I think about what they're wearing all the time, Brennan. I, you know, you and I, you and I are men of, we're men of taste. I can say this. I do love me some fashion, you know, looking good. And I'm like, when I see those guys, I'm like, every one of those is a look you need in your wardrobe. Like it, for, for us action film nerds, you need to take notes when all those guys get out and like, where do I find all those individual pieces so that I can have like six distinct looks? You know, I want a fucking hat. I want the, like, I want the rock, you know, Roxito with the hat look for Jesse Ventura. I want the Bill Duke gray suit. I want, um, uh, I want Punch's gear and I want that like weird, like a multicolored jumper. And then, you know, the, the, the red pole, like I, I, for for like decades, I've had a red polo shirt in my arsenal and like, I don't have it anymore because it kind of got a little bit tattered and whatnot, but I'm like, why don't I own a red polo? Oh, I, maybe I need to do some, maybe I need to do some more weights and buy three of them. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's no, Schwarzenegger in this movie, it's like the, you know, Nick James, who's a phenomenal U, uh, UK film critic. He used to be the editor of Sight and Sound, friend of One Heat Minute. 
he came on one hit minute and one of the things that he mentioned was like, oh, Blake, this is Pacino and De Niro at peak handsome. And I hadn't realized like, oh, yeah, they're as handsome as they've ever, that's part, that's part of the the charm, right? Like that, that they're so handsome. And with Schwarzenegger, it's like hard to find that. I've always found like his peak, like where I've always thought he looked the best is Predator. It's not the earlier films where he's, you know, completely, you know, still his Mr. Universe bot. It's here where it's like, there is some realm of believability that he's actually just a physical specimen who looks like this. And he, in this movie, he looks, he looks maybe better than he's ever looked this and probably terminated too for me is like his peak physical condition. Cause it's that just one step closer to reality. It's not the ridiculousness, but he looks so phenomenal. And his introduction is just the most badass thing. Like just smoking a stogie all the time <laughs> in the world. It's just the coolest, like, and, and you even see the, you know, Don McAlpine, great Aussie cinematographers there. John McTiernan says he's like, Don saved my ass so many times in this movie, but like just catches the lighting of the stogie in the reflection of his glasses. And it's just like, oh my God, this movie rules. Like even from just a composition standpoint or right at the start. Oh yeah, definitely. I, that was something I was picking up a lot on last night. Um, specifically how claustrophobic it is mm. with its, with its cinematography. It's, they, I think they use a lot of long lenses and kind of zoom in on what they're looking at. And there's a shot in this movie completely unrelated to just how good Arnold looks. There's just a shot in this movie that just I couldn't get over last night where um, Anna is talking and she's telling the story of the Diablo and it's a close up on her face and Arnold's in the background out of focus. And he's, you can tell he's staring straight ahead. And as she finishes, he slowly turns his head and it just focuses in on him. And I was just like, action doesn't usually look this good. I mean, it, a lot of it does, <laughs> but, but like, this is just like, this is beautiful. Like, and, but um, to go back to what you said about peak hotness, I, that was another thing that I noticed last year, watch rewatching it. Um, I just was sitting there and when he, again, it was a movie I've seen so many times, but it just like clicked in my head. I was like, does Arnold ever look this good before or after? And I couldn't think, the, the only one I could maybe think of that came close and it's the hair that ruins it is raw deal. Cause he has so many cool outfits and raw deal, but, but that slick back hair just doesn't work for him. No, no, the, and, it, I, you, you're absolutely spot on. You're spot on. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's what you said is he's a little leaner in this. He's and the, the camera just loves him in this. It's oh. just all of the stuff of him and Dylan in the beginning where they're in that, in that smoky room talking to each other and the lighting is just like especially on 4k which i have that 4k disc and it's just it it's unbelievable how good the movie looks and how good he looks in it it's just there that i just couldn't get over it <laughs> no, and and he 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 looks phenomenal and and as he said there's um this the staging of actors in all the scenes so that you can get it, you can register the feelings of what's happening around. Like there's scenes where like, you know, uh, where Blaine is like upfront saying something and, you know, um, and Bill Duke's Mac is in the background and it's just a soft enough focus on him that you're not, you know, you're not, you're not anchored to him, but you've got, you, you're clocking the, characters emotions and people standing in the backgrounds and that's that proximity and closeness like that's what 
you know, again, if I'm going to link it, you know, when I drop this on our Patreon so people can hear it, and this will be a freebie because um, I want people to be able to listen to us, have a chat about this, but there's a great doco where, you know, it's, it's got a whole bunch of hilarious stuff in it and making of predator. But like one of the things that John McTiernan said is like action cinema is about proximity. Um, and, 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 you know, he's, he's so aware of putting actors in the same space with one another to bounce off of one another for every single one of these scenes that it's like, it's so rare that you just get a singular close up of someone doing something without people in the background responding to them, you know? And even, even like the characters in soft focus, like on the outside of the frame in that moment where Billy is like sitting there going, you know, you know, like, like something's coming, something's coming for us. And we're all going to die. Like it's one of the most intense moments of the whole movie, Sonny Landon. And like, there are people in soft focus around him and you can just see them like getting tenser and tenser. And Richard Chavez is poncho. is like, Billy, like he's like, his emotions coming out. And it's just like, tell me, like, tell me right now. And he's like, you know, we're all going to die. It's, <laughs> I, it has pathos in a way that for all it's machismo and it's like peak of masculinity, like in, on display um, for all of that, it's got such that when these guys are scared, it's like, that's like, it's the genius of this movie. It's like, as soon as McTiernan gets Schwarzenegger and they know that it's him and they have to surround the movie and elevate the movie with all these other people who can actually even hold the screen and hold the lens with him. And then they all have to be terrified. It's just, it's like, I can't get over it. I, I, no one could tell me that this movie isn't perfect. No one. No, exactly. Um, and speaking to that papers, it's, it, it, in a lot of movies like this, as the cast is picked off, I mean, you, you do form attachments to people in movies like this because, like, they're cool or you don't want to see them die. But but um, for as much of, like, uh, like a masculine, you know, for lack of a better term, douchebag that Jesse Ventura is in this movie, when he dies, it's devastating because oh. Bill Duke's performance is just unbelievable. And you believe that these guys have spent decades together and that you know that there was something in the back of their mind where you know they they're so good at this that they were never that they were just going to do this forever and to see him picked apart just so easily it, it's just harrowing and every death is like that billy's death he has that oh heroic death on the on the uh bridge the log bridge or the tree whatever that is the long tree trunk um that is just devastating it's just I, there, there's no death in this movie that feels, I mean, maybe, maybe Shane Black's, but that's because I, I don't think he was even supposed to be in the movie originally, but, uh, there, but there's no death that feels kind of like wasted at all. And, I, and I, even his doesn't. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh no. I was just going to say Shane Black. Yeah. Just to touch on that point really quickly. Shane Black was, um, not was the studio was concerned about this movie's script because it was two first timers who did a spec script, Jim and John Thomas. And they'd had a bunch of people try and do alternate versions of their great draft, the original draft, because it's pretty much intact. Like there's no other credited screenwriters on this. And they said, I will hire Shane Black to come along because, um, you know, he, he had worked, um, with, uh, he'd worked with Joel Silver, um, for, for his original, script of Die Hard, which is Lethal Weapon. Um, they just stole the title for another John McTiernan movie. Um, and he, 
So they hired him and like, hey, do a pass at the script. And so when he read the script, he's like, they they went around, people were going to do passes at it. And he said, even as a screenwriter, I was reading the script and going, it's perfect. Like, don't, we don't need to change anything. But they were just hiring him just in case so he could be there if they needed to do any rewrites. And what they realized is, no, we don't need to do any rewrites. It's perfect. Like, it's actually perfect. Just leave it. Don't touch it. Um, and you know, Schwarzenegger was completely behind the script and that helped. And McTiernan was completely behind the script. And I think it was just studio pressure at that time. And then I think once they, you know, found the, the original problem with what the, the predator was originally going to look like before Stan Winston came in and made our, you know, the absolute icon that is this like Rasta alien warrior with his mandibles. Um, then it was totally fine. It was like, oh, okay, no, we don't need, we're good. We don't need to do anything on this at all. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, Hawkins is the, is probably the, the death that's the least impactful. Um, but I, you still love that. He's like one of the only guys that can make Billy smile because Billy yeah. is like yeah. Sonny Landham <laughs> is just such a, like, there's no, he doesn't seem like a real, like he doesn't seem like a real guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, he seems like a cyborg. Well, speak, speaking to that point, there's, there's a moment between them where he does try to make him laugh early on that, that falls flat, but it, but it also kind of leads into how perfect the script is. Is he tells a joke about someone's, you know, vagina being so big that it, that it echoes. And that, that's just like a tossed off joke, but like, I, I mean, maybe this is like a galaxy brain reach, but it kind of sets up the fact that the rest of this movie is spent with echoes all throughout the movie. The, yes. the predator is echoing the, echoing their um, laughter, their, their lines of dialogue back to them. And again, I'm probably just reaching, but I just was watching that and I was like, oh, that's a nice little touch. But then there's other, you know, smarter touches in this, um, in the script when uh, they're, they're, uh, Ventura and Bill Duke are drinking liquor together out of the flask. And Ventura says, it's easy, you know, it's easy to lose your head out here and, or something to that effect. And that's exactly what happens to Bill Duke. He, he loses his head figuratively and literally <laughs> he goes crazy and then loses his head. And, and it's just, the- I don't know how it manages. Cause like if we were doing the, the movie math of like action screenplay deep dives, which both of us do, you know, and saw the like dramatic contrivance of saying that and that happening, it's like, it would almost feel like something like commando, like where every line is one of those lines, you know, and we love it for that. Right. But it, it manages to do both like to be to use every one of those lines that you would normally see as a contrivance as something that fucking like knocks you for six. Like Bill Duke's death, Max death is so amazing. And I think the pairing of him and Blaine is, is so great because like, I don't want to like, I don't want to say this for you, Brandon, but like, I know that I must be the pain in the ass friend to some of my friends. You know, like I must be yeah, the pain it, in the ass, Blaine. Like you know, and, definitely. And, I I feel that way too about myself. About, yeah. I feel that way about myself, and I just you you just hope and you know that you have those friends in your life that are like your Bill Dukes, your Max, who have like they they know who you really are, who you are, your deepest core values, and they love you despite the fact that you're a pain in the ass. And I think that that's also this like beautiful masculine friendship and kinship that this movie has is that for every one of these guys, 
like the, the the connection with one another and the relationship with one another is just so so tight knit and like that's like that's why Bill Duke's performance as Mac is like one of the fucking kingly elements of this movie is you know when Carl Weathers is Dylan like gives away their position when they're going to that first compound he's like I'll bleed you like if you give away this performance I'll bleed you real quiet and I'll leave you here it's like because I care about these guys so much more then I give a single fuck about you. And if you give away our position, I'll kill you and I'll leave you. I don't care oh, yeah. if you're in the CIA. Like it's the coolest shit of all time. It's such a flex. It, it's in, and that's what makes Blaine's death again. So sad is that the, he and Bill Duke, you know, outside of this whole situation, they don't feel like a good match as friends because Blaine's kind of like a pig. He's like kind of rude. I mean, he's very rude. He's, he's <laughs> obnoxious. And Bill Duke's more subdued, you know, calm, collected. He's and and it's just funny that, like you said, he knows who Blaine. Like Blaine might be annoying to everybody else, but there's something about him that that uh, that Bill Duke knows that knows, you know. And he's always going to know him better than everyone else, and that just makes that moment so much sadder. Yeah. And it, it, but um, and he sings the lyric. This is the other thing, Brandon. I I had to watch it again. I was like, it's something that. I mean, it's, it might feel obvious to other people. I hadn't clocked it. Not that I hadn't clocked it. I'd certainly clocked it, but I, it didn't hit me as much uh, until this rewatch, ready to, getting ready to chat to you about it, is that he's singing the lyrics from Blaine's favorite track that's in the helicopter as he's like stripping away all of his gear, chasing down Predator. Like he's like, he's, he's like... Oh, we got everything. Like he's singing the lyrics, like he's doing his version of it. And I'm like, oh my God, like he's like singing Blaine's song, like a war cry and he's going in to take him out. And it's like, again, it takes a guy like Bill Duke, a phenomenal director and a fucking outlandishly talented actor underutilized and undervalued for his entire career, in my opinion, to like do that, to do that. Like he's just, it, it is as good as it gets because it makes... Again, something that could totally be trash, totally a contrivance. Um, and John McTiernan in like all the making ofs and stuff, he's like, Bill Duke is the actor in this movie. He's like, he's a genius. He's like, he, they, 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 at least the studio gave me Bill Duke, who's like <laughs> the greatest actor. And he's like, I just had, so, he goes, I started in theater. He's like, a lot of people think of me as an action director. Yeah, I started in theater and he goes, I love actors. And Bill Duke is like the best actor in this movie like pure acting chops it's it's pretty crazy oh absolutely and he it he just he, he those moments that you're talking about that you would you would laugh at in another action movie or it would be played a little just maybe you know his his moment specifically would be played maybe just a tinge more either humorously or you know a tinge more the other direction uh, like he's like a badass, but it's just like right the, the exact right pitch where it's like it, it's just sad, you know. It's just more sad than anything because you know he's running to his death and he's singing his best friend's favorite song, and and it's just it, I was thinking about that yesterday. How many moments that you know that from this movie that are ingrained in the popular consciousness but a lot of them are played as jokes you know like get to the choppa is like a big like joke that people make but in the context of the movie it's like 
not funny at all. And it's no. just, that really that really struck me watching it yesterday. Is like that's a line that you know that's one of the the many Arnold lines that people have you know used as an impression for years and years. And I and I always forget watching this movie that it's just it's like he it's said at the perfect moment that like the, the the tension is like the peak tension you know and you know you're you're worried about Anna getting away and it's just it really struck me yesterday a lot of I, I wasn't able to verbalize it to myself yesterday but what you're saying about how many moments in this movie could just be a joke in a lesser movie but they're just it's there's something magical about this how they all come together into this deathly serious and I mean, there are moments that are funny. There are moments that are like, wow, this is badass. But at the end of the day, this is just a great movie. And and it's just, it's, yeah, I'm kind of rambling. but <laughs> No, no. And, and it's, I, I think this movie causes you to ramble because there's just so, when you start to dig into individual lines, individual line deliveries, the action cinema beats that... I think so many people are innately familiar with. You're like, oh, every one of these you've seen in other movies that are exactly that. Like it's, it's, it really demonstrates like how you can modulate between like tones in a movie. And this movie is laser focused on its tone and does not skip outside of it. Like when humor's done, sometimes it's inappropriate when, you know, when, you know, sometimes there's the like, gallows humor that's done. Like one of my favorite ones is like, you know, the Jesse, Jesse Ventura, you know, ain't got time to bleed. Like it's a great yeah. moment. <laughs> it's such a great moment. And then he's like, <laughs> but it's, it's offset by Richard Charles poncho doing like, you got time to duck. Like he just fires <laughs> up like, like six or it feels like 25 grenade launcher. Dum, 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 dum. He just fires them up into the, into the nest and wastes those last guys at the compound. But it's like the ability for it to be funny um, when it wants to be funny for some jokes to fall flat, but then as the movie sets focus from the compound and like everything is changed and then it does become this, like they are the prey and you know, the beginning of the movie, they're the predators and they become the prey as the movie goes on that, that thing that happens and that ability to focus and then it essentially turning into like this, you know, grade a silent film with like just a couple of key lines of dialogue, um, for the whole last half an hour. Um, it just, it's, it's a, it's a piece of movie magic. Like it doesn't, it, it's so hard and yeah, just the, I don't know. Also movie alchemy is so hard to know what you're going to do. But then I'm like, I'm, I've got the list of the guys that are in the movie in front of me and I'm just like Schwarzenegger, Weathers, Bill Duke, Ventura, Sonny Landham, Richard Chavez, like, and then obviously Shane Black, but that mix, and then um, El, uh, El Padilla, Carrillo, Anna, um, all these, this great makeup of different individuals of different ethnicities and different acting styles, it's, it's, it's a, like a miracle, like how they got this complete fusion of all their styles together and held them on the line. And like Chavez was a former, you know, Vietnam veteran, Ventura was a former Navy SEAL, you know, um, you know, obviously Schwarzenegger is like the biggest movie star in the world. Mr. Olympia, Carl Weathers had been Apollo Creed, you know, those things like Bill Duke's like a traditional thespian and a, like a filmmaking creative, um, you know, Sonny Landham was like a wild man that people like Walter Hill, you know, like brought into our lives. And then like, and, and, you know, Son Sonny Landham's the only guy that had a bodyguard on set for other people. Um, and you know, like this is one of my favorite stories about predator and yet when they're all together in this movie, 
it's incredible. Like it's like Sunny Landham is just like it's so hard to pick your favorites, but like they dwarf the people around. Every actor gets a chance to like dwarf all the other people around them, and no one like wilts. Everyone is just like still amazing. Like you know, but everyone gets these huge moments to showcase their skills. Oh, absolutely! And watching it yesterday, I it started to dawn on me that I think. Uh, Richard Chavez is kind of undersung in this movie when people think about yes. the the group of guys in this movie because he's he's there throughout and, and he's almost he's not he's not the second lead. I mean, you, you can make the case for Carl Weathers or you can make the case for um, uh, El, El Padilla Carrillo as the second lead or even the predator <laughs> but um yeah he feels but but uh richard chavez feels like the second lead in a lot of this movie he's there throughout the movie he's he's in so many key moments and he's one of the last to go and and i always forget that that um he's you know before Ar- arnold uh dutch and anna get away richard chavez is the last one and it's just <clears throat> he's giving i i don't know if i'd seen him in anything else I, he and I was looking at his filmography earlier. He's not in much. The only other thing of note is <laughs> L.A. Takedown for your uh, purposes. But, we've, got, um, we've got a lot. We've got to love those man connections. Yeah, <laughs> but but I didn't. I don't know much about him. But every time I watch it, I'm just like blown away by how, how natural he is and how just he's he's so compelling on screen. Even even going back to what we were talking about, you know, uh, earlier when they get off the helicopter, his outfit is amazing. He looks incredible, and I just. It's just a shame that I, I mean, maybe he's had a bigger career, maybe on television that I don't know about, but, um, but he, he's just such a compelling screen presence. And I just, it makes me kind of sad that, you know, when everyone talks about Predator, we, we don't talk enough about Poncho, I don't think. God, he's the one thing that he has had, and this is like a huge thing is he he was a detective in Peter Weir's Witness, which is a masterpiece. Um, right. He's he's in this. He's again. Great he's movie. in L A. L A. Takedown. Um. He was in Hill Street's Hill Street Blues very briefly, but yeah, he doesn't he doesn't feel like. And he was Casals. Oh my goodness, I forgot that he was Casals. So he's Wes Studi's um character detective Lucas. Yeah. Um. He's he's that guy uh, equivalent in L A. Takedown, but. He's had little bits and pieces around, but it doesn't look like he's been working much, you know, beyond, um, uh, you know, kind of 2016 had like little uh, bits and pieces, but, um, and you know, he was a Marine and for a guy who was like in the Marine Corps doing all this stuff and is in like the quintessential action movie, it just seems completely strange unless he decided that he didn't want to do it anymore, but no, an amazing presence. And he has to have like, there's those moments when they're, when you know, um, especially when they get separated from Dylan and Mac, um, in their last ambush and they're trying to make their way or like, or they're, they're about to make their way out of there. He has, has some of the big moments where he starts breaking, you know, he's, he starts breaking down and starts going, you know, like, you know, he, you can really hear him, his fear coming to the surface where all of the guys have, are kind of dealing with it in their different ways. And I, yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal actor. They're all amazing. They're all amazing. There's no weak, like trite nonsense. You know, he's, he, he could totally be, and like with the greatest love and respect, he could totally be the Paxton and be like, we're all going to die. Man. <laughs> like he could be that, but he's not, he's not that he's like, Billy, what is it? 
You're not scared of no man. He's like, and, and I think his break, his breaking is when it's probably the hardest to watch too, because you know, with a guy like Bill Duke, you, there is something a little unhinged behind his eyes, yeah. and you know, everyone else, you know, they 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 do feel a little off in some ways, but but Poncho feels so controlled and so calm and collected, and to watch him slowly break down, it's like, oh man, this is. I mean, they're in the shit, and it, and there's no getting out. Like you're, you're just the only way out is through. And unfortunately, he doesn't make it through. But, mm-hmm. but um, I wanted to say shout out because I, you know, I'd be remiss with you know how much I'm I'm known for genre stuff. Uh, uh, Craig Baxley did second unit on this, and and um, he went on to do to me three of the most like underrated and great action movies. He did um. Action Jackson with Carl Weathers, uh, Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth, and um, uh, Dark Angel with Dolph Lundgren. Although it might be known as I Come in Peace, where you are, I don't know. I don't know uh, what, I think, what the different title is. I think it's Dark Angel is what I've known it as. Yeah, it's but yeah, it's a funny one. It's all these weird. But they love that in the eighties and nineties, confuse the living shit out of international viewers <laughs> by like naming things three different things. <laughs> And it's funny because I come in peace is the better title, but I guess it's more of a mouthful too. But I mean, it makes <laughs> yeah. more makes more sense for the movie. Dark Angel doesn't make a whole lot of sense, no. but um, but yeah, he went on to do those three movies. And watching this, um, it's just it's so clear why, you know, those movies aren't as talked about as other action movies. But when you watch them, the action's perfect in them. And then watching this, it's like you can see where his the pedigree for that came from is. Like Craig, I mean, McKiernan's a top tier action director, so a lot, most of the credit probably has to go to him. But work, but Batsley working on this movie, it's just, it, it's so cool to see. I love when stunt guys go on to direct, and yes. and he, and just I think that he deserves to be mentioned almost as much as McKiernan because his action, his action pedigree is great, and I just wish that he had gotten to do more of it. He seems to be stuck in TV world the last 20, 30 years, but. But uh, yeah, um, and speaking of the whole genre shift, uh, D- Dark Angel is kind of a, not not as perfect as Predator, but it's a perfect example of that. It's like a detective story with Dolph Lundgren that just happens to feature an alien yeah, going around <laughs> killing people. <laughs> kind of a uh, Predator 2 situation. <laughs> well, and the, the one other thing that I have to mention, and I've, I've completely forgotten about it is... Um, in one heat minute, we did our hundredth episode with Dante Spinotti. And then the hundred and first episode of one heat minute, I was lucky enough to talk to Bill Duke because Bill Duke, Bill Duke as a, as a director was kind of a trailblazing African American director at a time where it was like a really white dominated industry. And Michael Mann hired him in his early career to work on episodes of Miami Vice as a director, because he was a guy like, I, I mean, I think he's deep cover. Yeah. You, you've seen deep cover. I think maybe we've oh, yeah. reacted it's, about deep cover, which is it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Like if you have not seen it, you are really doing yourself a disservice. It is a stunning, 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 stunning movie. And, um, truly, uh, like one of my favorite physical media releases of last year because it finally came to Criterion. It's brilliant and you need to see it. And so 
you know, this is a guy who early on in his career was like trying to act. And then he was directing things, of, you know, episodes of Hill Street Blues. And he did a Matlock. He did a Twilight Zone episode. He did a couple of episodes of Crime Story. Um, and then he and then he got hired to work on the Miami Vice TV series as a director. And so, you know, I was talking to him about working with Michael Mann. And I was talking to him about, really I was talking to him about Donald Breeden. So Dennis Haysbert's character and the plight of African-American men because of his role as like a, you know, as an actor and a director and a voice um, and a trailblazer for African-American filmmakers. And, and, you know, we're talking about Michael Mann and we're talking about stuff, but at the end of that interview, I, I'm, I, I, and many people, you can go back and listen to it and I'll even link it. But like, I asked him to just say anytime. And like, that's like a bucket. <laughs> he said it. And I was like, that's like the bucket list shit is hearing Bill Duke go anytime. Like it's, <laughs> this movie is so good for that. It's like, it's, it's, it's not only it's it's not only great, but the lines like for me it's not just get to the chopper, it's every other thing that every other character says in that movie. Oh yeah, for sure. And in that when the predator repeats that, it's just bone chilling. Yes. I mean in in the laugh too, I I always I mean, I was laughing last night because it's just such a it's such a great fuck you moment from from the predator laughing at him as he's about yeah. to blow himself up but but even then like that just always uh scares the hell out of me too is is his laugh at the end of that movie but yeah that bill dukes um i i just i you said it a, a little bit ago that he's a really underappreciated actor and i think you know for people in our circles he's not but in the larger you know broader world i definitely think he is and and it's just always so it's just driven home as soon as he's on screen and anything like have you seen mandy yes yeah his scene in that movie is just you know i think about how you think about like lines and in uh you know the anytime i think all the time about how when he's talking to nicholas cage about those bikers and mandy and then you know he's telling him how how he was watching them inflict pain on one another and he goes the scariest part was they fucking loved it (laughs) and like that's always been in my head you know for the last couple of years after seeing mandy but he's just such a you your quote from mckiernan about you know i had bill duke in this movie is just so spot on because this movie's great it works for so many reasons but bill duke's grounding presence in this movie as like and again they're all great actors in this movie but as like the actor of the movie is just so so special and there's so few movies like this that have that i think just the razor, Brandon. When he's yeah. sh- like, yeah. and a great little bit of business that just like shows he's just like it, it's sweltering, it's hot, it's steamy. Just shaving yourself, it's like it really reinforces. Like, I don't know how many of our listeners have been in saunas with, especially ethnic men. But like, if you're a if you're a Maltese <laughs> guy like I am, and you've had like uncles and stuff that you you've gone into a sauna with, they will just sit there, you know, usually with like a like a glass of water and a razor and no you know, no shaving apparatus. I've got a giant beard right now. And I know that Brandon um, is often a bit hirsute, but like they're clean shaven and they've got a little bit of five o'clock shadow. They'll sit in the sauna and just sweat and use the sweat coming off their body to, to shave. And 
I remember always thinking, man, it must be so sweltering and steamy and just completely uncomfortable in this place for them to like be able to continually do that. Like, and for Bill Duke's character to shave his head and shave his face. But that moment later in the movie where like they do that business up front and then he's holding the razor to his face so hard and getting so distracted and so focused on what's out there that it snaps is just, again, like an, it's another little dramatic beat that like, I feel like McTiernan's like, I'm, when I really need a, a moment where people are going to hold their breath, I'm going to give Mac the reins of this movie. And it's, it's him choosing which actor to focus on in any given moment that it's just so perfect. And like for all the stuff that we say about Schwarzenegger, people are like, Oh, he's not a great actor. He's a great action star, whatever. I think that's all horseshit because you know, Terminator is a basically silent performance that he does immaculately. It's all about creating a character with a physicality and this movie it's all of his sort of machismo and bravado up front. But then, you know, so much of the movie is just about physical acting and creating a character and creating fear and, and, and battering himself within an inch of his life and conveying his emotions through his eyes. And it's just so good. Like he's, and, and build, you know, that whole, the whole choices that get made. I think when you've got a Bill Duke, you know, like menace to society, that great, you know, from 93, like you get him for one scene, that's the most powerful well, scene in the movie. Incredible like, scene. Yeah. Yeah. And then that you just give him that and you know that he can do it. He's just going to hold the whole movie up for that time. Well, going back to Arnold for a minute, you know, it, it's hard for me to ever say, you know, he doesn't get enough appreciation. Cause I mean, he was the biggest movie star in the world. He was the governor. Like, I think he's, I mean, he's a, he's a legend, but at the same time, I mean, like you said, people do say, oh, he wasn't the greatest actor and everything, but, but he had something that I don't think a lot of action stars had, and he just he knows he knows exactly what about him works on camera. There's never a false moment with him, even if something sounds kind of funky coming out of his mouth. It you buy it, like when, even when he's in his comedies, when he's playing like all you know these all American guys, all American fathers, you know, <laughs> everyday man, and it's like this hulking Austrian. Like you still buy it for some reason because he's he knows how to play. To, play to his strengths to the camera and I I always think a lot about how you know and I go back and forth on whether I think this is funny because you know people can't help the way they sound but you know people will share Wonder Woman clips of Gal Gadot you know <laughs> yeah. you, you know give me the stone or something like that you know I don't want to make fun of her voice but but um there's just something so unnatural about her and I don't even think it's her voice but I've heard a lot of people say you know she could be the modern Arnold you know she's doesn't look like anyone else she's you know gorgeous like arnold was and she doesn't sound like anyone else and if she just learned how to play into that but but the thing is is i think arnold knew what he has that she doesn't have and what a lot of people don't have is that he just knew what was funny about him and he knew what was what was um bad for lack of a better term badass about him and i don't think too many people know that about themselves on screen and it's like he he got that almost immediately there's just a confidence about him going all the way back to terminator and even before that in his early earlier stuff there's just it's it's kind of astonishing there's no one like him and and you know for most you know i'm 31 so growing up in the 90s it kind of felt like i had missed a little bit of the arnold cultural presence as like the biggest leading man in the world and by the time like i encountered arnold he was like doing like jingle all the way and he was like and and i mean i loved that movie as a kid but i mean at the same time he was kind of like a, a punchline for people and it's just watching him you know just 
even a couple of, even a couple of years earlier, Brandon, that's the the one thing that I this is wholly inappropriate. Let me just say this firstly, wholly inappropriate. <laughs> is that like nineteen ninety two Terminator two comes out. I see it in or, or is it ninety one? It's ninety one or ninety two. I always forget. It's one it's one of those two. I'm gonna fact check that because it'll infuriate me later if I get it wrong. So Terminator two it's no, it's ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah, ninety one. Terminator 2 comes out. I see that in the theater. I'm six, right? My dad my dad decided that that was a great <laughs> idea to take me to Terminator 2. And then I got a copy of it on like VHS. Um, I don't know how they acquired it. It was probably illegal. And I had like a birthday party and there was a few kids, like friends of mine set up and I'm like, let's watch Terminator 2 and like freaked out a bunch of kids. And this is like early 90s. You know, it's very much 80s parents hangovers. All the parents were smoking in the room while we were all watching Terminator 2 at 6 or whatever it was. So it's like, it's peak 80s, you know, boomer parenting 101 shit. But he was the biggest thing in the world. Like, for me at that age, there's no bigger movie star. Like, even Stallone, who was monstrous, was at that moment, because Terminator 2 was one of the biggest movies that was ever made, was the biggest star in the world, hands down, don't even talk about it. And like, although, you know, like things like Last Action Hero are only a couple of years out and things like that. So his peak period, 84 to like 91, um, you, there's so, he's, he's just so massive on a different level that like those comedies and stuff that come later, you're like, oh, that's, you know, he is kind of getting a bit over the hill, but we'd had Terminator 2. So it was, you know, that when you just look at that run, like just going even from Predator. Oh, sorry. Let's go from term like uh, Conan. So Conan, the Barbarian 82, then he does Conan, the Destroyer 84, Terminator 84, Red Sonia 85, Commando, um, Commandos also 85, Raw Deal 86, Predator 87, Running Man 87, like Total Recall 90, Kindergarten Cop 90, Terminator 2, Judgment Day 91. Like, he's... That, that's an it, insane run. <laughs> it's like all of them multi-hundred million dollar openings. Um, and then, uh, you know, one of my personal favorites, um, True Lies. Like True Lies, you know, oh, yeah. 94. He's still massive. He's still absolutely massive. And so then he like tapers off a little bit, but like that is just so insane. And so, yeah, for me, he, he, he sort of did turn to a joke, like in the late nineties and early two thousands, like we're all excited when you come back and do like a dark movie, like end of days or something like that. We're like, Oh yeah. Like he's, he's back, you know? Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's something truly, truly, truly special, um, you know, as, as an essence. And like you said, self-awareness, he knows what he is and he knows what he brings and he's there's nothing yeah i think actors lack the the self-awareness and he's not always winking that's what's great about him too he can turn it up or turn it down you know he, he doesn't have to always wink at this is me um right. and i think when people use him like that i hate it like when he does that stupid cameo in what's that rock movie oh, it's got a couple of different oh, the, the the rundown yeah, the rundown. Welcome to the jungle, I think it's yeah. also called. <laughs> yeah, like, I hate how they wink. He gets, and I just, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. Just, he doesn't, it's, it's, we don't need these jokes. We don't need or, them. Or, or like those terrible Expendables movies. And I know that 
that's kind of maybe a controversial opinion in the action community, but because I, I have a lot of friends who like those movies, and they're like, oh, they are what they are, but those movies are awful, and they're and and his appearances in those are just so like embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, yes. saying his lines and then saying Bruce Willis's famous lines, it's just I yeah, I don't like when he's used as a joke either. I like when he's in on like when when he when he's the one making the joke, uh, like he. Even something like Batman and Robin, which is an awful movie, and you know people have reclaimed that a little bit over the years because you know all superhero movies look the same now, and that one doesn't, and so there's something uh, to hold on to. It yeah, with the, that movie, the the all of these, I I think this is what happens. I, I said this, and I and I know this is a safe place to share this, Brent. I'm going to share a group chat I sent to my friends. I was what I I. I've, cause I've recently not, not been a hundred percent, um, of health. I was just like, I want to watch things that I don't have to think about, you know? Um, and so I put on justice league, the Zack Snyder justice league. And I'm like, you know how this movie actually is better than all of this other direct. Like I don't prescribe to you, you release the Snyder cut people. I think a lot of those people are awful. Um, and, uh, you know, like uh, they got the great outcome and some of the community is great, but some of them were just the nastiest and most trash people, awful awful people. But you watch that movie and you're like, oh, the homogenized Marvel thing that they're doing lacks such style. It is a vacant thing. And so you end up going back to these things and you're like, oh, this is great. You know, that's why people are revisiting things like that, because it's like, this actually is taking a swing. And even if it fails, I'm all about a swing. Like swing as hard as you can because you really you rarely get shots in in movies to to take huge swings. And I think with these superhero movies at this point, because it's so homogenized, it's just like anything that has ambition, even if it doesn't have execution, is something that I'll always be more of a fan of. Well, absolutely. And just as a total aside, like I really I, I liked Man of Steel when it came out kind of soured on him a little bit didn't like batman versus superman and i wasn't on that train of like oh snyder's a hidden genius and everything i'm still not totally on that train and i was kind of worn down by all the release of oh, snyder cut people and, and i just agree. when this when they finally announced his cut of justice league i just rolled my eyes so hard and then I, when i watched it when it premiered on hbo max like i was maybe an hour in and i was like this is kind of excellent <laughs> like there's something <laughs> about this that is just undeniable <laughs> and yeah, I'm right there with you. I was just like, this looks like nothing else. And there's he, he's so sincere where all these other movies like it, you know, have to turn around and look at you and go, isn't this stuff wacky? Where he's just like, no, this is the most deathly serious thing you're ever <laughs> going to see. And, and there's something as silly as that is because there's still people wearing tights. There's something endearing about it. that He takes it so seriously. I love that. And, he does. I, lo- I love yeah, earnestness. Me, me Earnest love of things is good. I hate this. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it's so bad. It's good. It's like, no, it's just good. Have I, the stones we're, we're, to say you love it. We're recording this the day Thor Love and Thunder comes out, and I'm dreading that movie oh. for that reason. I'm just, I can't. I, I'm, I'm, Brenna, I, we I can't, we the, can't, de- we can't derail this with all of the reviews that we know that are going to come that says best Marvel oh, yeah. movie ever. Oh, yeah. That's just <laughs> fuck off. Stop. I, and whenever only- our action film community does this sometimes with Michael Mann stuff where people are trying to look, and I know that you love Black Hat and I think it's it's got a lot of elements and people who are listening to this are going to know we're going to do a, a Black Hat um, 
hacker cut screening, a live one for our Miami Nice podcast. So people are going to hopefully come and join us to do that. I'll do some big announcements of when that's happening later this month. But you can't just say the the new one is the best because that's what the no, bad communities no. do. That, it, but that's right. what the bad communities do. You have to right. know, you have to have your taste and go, there's something about it. I'm not sold on it yet. It's got some great elements, but you, you don't have to say that the newest one is the best. Can we just like, cause they're not, exactly. they're not the best. Well, that's, this, this is, a, I, I've, I, hopefully I didn't derail this too much, but this is a one heat minute production. So this no, does no. tie in. You're allowed. It. You're allowed. But, um, but uh, one of my good friends who I've met, you know, over Twitter the last year is uh, Liam O'Donnell. He's the director of the Skyline movies. Um, yes. He, he was losing his mind the other day on Twitter because a lot of our other friends had a weird moment where they were all just talking about how Heat isn't Michael Mann's best movie and how, <laughs> you know, like this is his best. This is, and, and Liam was just, I was watching him on Twitter, just replying to people going, you had, he was DMing me eventually going like, has everyone lost their mind? He's like, I know you love Black Hat, but like, it's not better than Heat. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> it's, just, it's not. <laughs> and he was like, what is going on? <laughs> You tell you tell Liam from me that if he ever wants to chat about why he's the best, he knows where he can come. He's got a friend in me, but no, I agree. It's like, there are some people I'm like, I, and I love it. I, I love people who are like, I love who you can love whichever one you want. And I totally get it. Like I even said to Jordan Harper on an upcoming episode of this show, um, Robin rant that, you know, cause Jordan's loves Michael Mann and his maybe favorite movie of all time is heat. And he goes, but sometimes I love Michael Mann stuff so much that, you know, maybe my favorite movie right now of his is Miami Vice. I just love putting it on. He goes, it's not better than heat, but he's like, it's my favorite right now. And I said, yeah, I had that moment. You know, I have that moment too. Like I had, I had a few months where I was watching thief all the time. And then I'd watch Manhunter and I'd be like, wow. You know, and then I'd watch Ali and I'm like, wow. Yeah. But when people say, there's only two in my mind personally that I think could be argued as the best. I think the insider is that's, maybe, that's, the, yeah. insi the insider and heat are such profound, profoundly amazing films that I'm like, I will get, I'll take arguments. I'll hear, but if people are like, Oh man, black hat, I'm like, guys, or like public enemies. I'm like, look, it's fine. Like it's got great elements to it and I can totally dive into those elements and, be rewarded endlessly by those things, but you can't come on. He is... I, I can't get on the public enemies train. Man's my favorite director. And I just, I can't do public. Enemies. I, I, feel I, just... I feel you. This, <laughs> I, I look, I, I understand, but that's, that's the same way with like, you know, and people are like, and this is what I say with blackout. Like there's a lot that I love, but there's a couple of fundamental things. And I think it might just be an Australian thing. It's like, I think Chris Hemsworth is vastly more charming when he's using his Australian accent. And yeah, for an international hacker movie, yeah. I would have loved to just see him play an Aussie. Yeah. If he was an Aussie I guy that went that. to America, like even yeah, if he was like an no exchange, yeah. there's no, in this big swashbuckling <laughs> international movie with a whole bunch of different accents, why not know the accent? Like <laughs> he could still be a black hat, black hat hacker named Hathaway, but it could be I, an I, Aussie accent. I, I never understand stuff like that when there's no fundamental reason to change it. Like, one of my favorite actors, I brought him up all the way back at the beginning of this episode, is Scott Adkins, and he just does a million DTV movies. Yes. And there's so, so many where he just tries, where it's not even him, it's the, the script calls for it, is, is to have him play an American. And he's 
he has like this very thick British accent. He's gotten better at it, but it's still just that very that very flat American accent. And it's like it just doesn't work. And even one I watched recently, Eliminators, he's the movie takes place in England, his home country, and he's playing an American expat. And I'm like, oh, what no. is the reason for this? <laughs> like, there's no reason. <laughs> I just don't get it. But um, but yeah, uh, just to circle all the way back to Predator because I derail it so much. Um, no, no, no. You're allowed. This is, this is the perfect forum for doing this kind of derailment. <laughs> I uh, was just watching it last night really drove home that like with the Alien franchise, you can make the argument that, you know, Alien or Aliens is better. And, you know, I know some people have started to make the argument that Alien 3 is the best, which I'll never co-sign no, on. But never. but um, but um, but there is a real argument for Alien and Aliens. But Predator, I think, is on the level of an Alien and Aliens. But there's no argument about this franchise after. Like, I have a friend who has tried to convince me for years that Predator 2 is a secret American masterpiece. And I'm just like, <laughs> I... I, I like the movie a lot and some days I love it, but there's just, there's no argument. There's no alien no, aliens look, argument with these movies. No, I think, look, I'm definitely in the camp that the overall quality, except for the latest one, uh, the predator, uh, the, the Shane Black one, the yeah. Shane Black one, the overall quality of the predator movies, especially predator, predator two, and then predators, um, the Robert Rodriguez, um, uh, produced film, the overall quality of those are so high. You know, Predator 2 is an incredible movie and has such, uh, has so much to offer. But the gap where people say, oh, the gap between Alien and Aliens is so close, the gap between Predator and the next one is yawning. Like it's not even a conversation. Just don't, no, not at all. <laughs> no one can say like the others are good, but, and they do different things, but they're not as both thematically and just from a pure everything, cinematography, like action, innovation, acting, scripting, economy, they are peerless. Like you, I, I think when you can see the tendrils of you can see the tendrils of Predator movie, this Predator movie that we've been talking about, the first one. You can see the tendrils of Predator in every Man in a Mission movie that was made since. Like, this was Absolutely. a genre buster. Yeah. Like, they made it, and it's like every single one of those is since. And even all the way to Inglorious Bastards, and I don't necessarily think Tarantino would have been thinking about that, but, like, the idea that you can have a crew that defies the logic of history... And being brave enough to go, like, if my crew was here, they could take down an alien force. You know what I'm saying? Like, one of them could take down an alien force that is unstoppable. And you believe it. Like, and, and Tarantino did it with Hitler. Like, could stop World War II in its tracks, you know? And I feel like that's, like, every man on a mission movie ever afterwards has to contend with Predator. And 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 it's like, once you make Heat, every every crime film, every heist film since then has to contend with it. And, and it's like the good, the good fellas, you know, everyone thought that the, the mafia genre was dead and then good fellas came around. And I was like, Oh, well now everything has to be either the Godfather or good fellas and, or has to try and bridge the gap in some way or have to be some kind of derivation of that. And so it's like, there are genre buses and there's just, it's indisputable. It's the, it's, it's the toughest. And I think a lot of people see the muscles and think that it's got no substance, but I'm like, no, it not only has substance, it has the sexiest, most oiled, most 
unfathomable muscles also it has everything it literally has it all it can't it's 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 undefeated and then when you look at mctiernan and all the people around and like humphrey red october die hard predator you know the three maybe greatest action movies of their kind um of that era it's like yeah they're peerless and and predator for me is like you know a lot of folks love die hard and I love you guys. I love Die Hard too. I actually kind of think I love Die Hard with a Vengeance even more than I love Die Hard. But um, yeah, um, you know, you know, except for Rickman. Rickman is just king of all kings. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this movie is just the best. And I'm so glad that despite our digressions, we got to go so deep on it because it's just it is truly truly special. I I totally agree, and I just want to say as quickly as possible is that you one thing that you hit on that I wanted to acknowledge was that i think it, people do see all the muscles and you know the, the one-liners in this movie and you know there's part of them that won't m- maybe not so much with predator anymore but there's part of there's people who see movies like this and will you know kind of write it off it's like oh yeah that's that's a fun movie but it's not a good movie and i think yes. that that's so ridiculous and i agree i i said something about this recently because someone i'm I, trying to remember i'm pretty sure you're not on the den of thieves train like a lot of us which is fine but <laughs> but i saw someone talking about that movie recently saying like that's the best shitty movie i've ever seen and i was like we need to divorce the idea like sometimes it's not a shitty movie and it's okay to say that <laughs> you know like yeah. sometimes it's a and and i think if you love something and it's in like like ambulance i've seen so many people I say love oh, that's a ambulance. yeah and i've seen so many people say oh it's such a dumb fun movie and i was like i don't even think it's dumb i just think it's you know a good movie and I think action is still in that weird period that horror used to be in that I hate the term, but that elevated horror kind of lifted it out of where, you know, it's more of a respectable genre. Now I still don't think action's quite there yet. And it's, it's frustrating. And I think if you watch a movie like predator and, and you can't see that it's, it's just a perfect movie, there's nothing to qualify it with. Yeah. Then you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the best way. Like it's the best way to describe it is if, if you, if you need a qualifier, to make yourself feel better, go ahead. But it doesn't change the fact that it's perfect. It doesn't change. Right. It, it doesn't change. Like it's a perfect movie, you know. And you don't you don't have to you don't have to hate yourself for loving a Michael Bay actioner. You don't have to you know. It's they're, they're terrific movies, especially when you see them compared to the dreck that we get served now. Like we're we're eating gruel every fucking day on these streaming services, and you watch some of these movies and you're like, Oh, remember when we had like fine dining? Remember when we had, remember when an action movie was made with the same level of art and innovation as like a real heavy drama that's trying to punch for Oscars. Like, yeah, they just had huge budgets and like, you know, the greatest film artists of all time, like Stan Winston, you know, coming in and making creatures and, great theater directors that are transitioned into action filmmaking like John McTiernan and huge casts and money and producers to boot. And they made these gorgeous looking things. And um, yeah, I, undeniable. Predator is undeniable. And we're lucky if we get one, one, like every five to seven years, oh. we get a Fury Road and then, and then wait five, five to six years. Then we get a Top Gun Maverick and it's like, it's just, it shouldn't <laughs> have to, shouldn't have to be that long in between. No, no, exactly. You, the, the, the distance between the distance between those like profound movies of quality is, is it hurts. It really hurts. Yeah. Bra- Brandon, please 
give me give me your plugs. Where can people find you? Um, what's coming uh, up? Um, I, I've I've got right next to me. I've got uh, your 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 issue uh, of Fangoria oh. um, right here. So um, where else can people find you? What's coming up? Uh, trying to think of what I have, what I'm working on right now. I'm actually I have a I'm making my debut for Polygon this month towards Ooh. the end of the month. Um, I don't talk about it a lot on Twitter, but I'm a secret wrestling fan, and um, and I they asked me to. With, uh, there are big summer events coming up, SummerSlam, and Polygon asked me to make a little list of some hidden gems from WWE studios. And so I dug through all like the crap that they've made and found some pretty good movies in there. A lot of good DTV stuff. So please, that'll be out. To, please tell me the that one of them is the Colin Farrell, Numi Rapace movie. Please tell me. No, I didn't include that one oh, because I, I didn't, didn't like it that much, but, oh, but well. what is, what is included is the sixth entry in the Marine franchise. <laughs> <laughs> that's on brand that's on brand (laughs) but uh yeah so that's what i have coming next and i just put out a piece for secret handshake cinema about only god forgives and why i love that movie so much Um, a great a great movie a great cinema experience in sydney so many people walked out of its premiere at the sydney film festival it was uh, i love when that happened it was great people were disgusted people were in there for drive too and they got a rude shock but uh all right brandon look i'm gonna let you go thank you so much for for chatting again um much love to you uh as i said black hat hacker cut uh virtual screening coming up on one eight minute productions i I'm, if you're around we'd love to have you uh join join katie and i in the chat with all the other frothy black hat nerds um Absolutely, but yeah. um uh love your work and uh, just thank you so much for chatting to me about predator it's been a treat thanks so much for having me and just uh, really appreciate it. Yep. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.